All right, and we're live. What's happening, Matt? How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, sir? Wonderful. The magic of the internet here, man. It's 10 a.m. where I am here on the East Coast. You're you're joining us from California, correct? Correct. LA. Up, up very early. Yeah. Why not? Hey, amen. I, well, I'm super excited. I'm huh? sorry. I said to talk to you. I would have gotten up even earlier. I am grateful. Well, we're, we're talking to each other and, and sharing advice with other people. So I want to welcome everybody who's who's watching or listening to how multi-unit brands successfully market at the local level. This is Matt Smith from Tokaya Organica. Some crazy stuff has happened with your with your life lately. Let's start there. Congratulations on being a new dad, right? That's exciting. Very exciting. Going to share the kid's name, how you feel? Yeah. Is it too early? Yeah. So, yes, yeah, some crazy things. We had a daughter. Her name's Ruby. It's our first child. Um, she's incredible. Uh, as far as babies go, we're told she's been pretty mellow and easy. Um, <laughs> And she decided to make her debut the same day that uh, we publicly announced uh, Tokai was merging with Tender Greens to form uh, a new holding company called One Table Restaurant Brands. So it's been a, a memorable few weeks, to say the least. Amazing. All right. So for people who do not know either of the brands or the, the umbrella company now, give everybody just a quick uh, minute on both brands. And the yeah, so Tokai uh, has 18 locations across Southern California and Arizona. Um, focused on modern Mexican cuisine, kind of a healthier spin on authentic Mexican flavors. Uh, what's unique about Tokaya, amongst other things, is the menu starts 100% vegan. Um, so we do serve animal proteins and, and non-vegan cheeses. Um, you kind of choose your entree uh, and then choose your own protein and, and queso. Uh, but everything starts vegan and then, you know, non-vegans kind of have to opt in for the animal component. So it's, uh, it's kind of a, a dynamic shift from your typical uh, customization setup, uh, and people love it. Very experiential, um, you know, did a lot of third party before COVID, do a lot more now, uh, but, you know, people in Southern California and Arizona really love it. Um, and then Tender Greens was started in 2006 uh, by a group of people, one of which is Eric Oberholzer. Uh, kind of the pioneers and, and what I, I would say the OGs in the kind of chef driven and, and farm to table uh, fast casual space. Although, you know, at times um, we're a little shy in terms of, of talking about it and just kind of did their thing. Um, 25 locations right now across uh, LA, San Francisco, Orange County and San Diego. Um, amazing food. And we're, uh, we're really excited to join forces with them. That's awesome. What was the first thing you ate at Tender Greens after the announcement? Cobb salad. All right. God bless. <laughs> you know, I took a cooking class in fifth grade, and that is one of the five recipes that they taught us. <laughs> Cobb salad's good. No idea why I remember that. <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. Well, look, we're here to talk about how multi-unit brands successfully market at local level. You went from 18 to, I'm bad at math, but it sounds like almost 50 locations overnight, right? Just about, yeah. How do you... How do you successfully market at local level? What are the things that you do? What makes a difference in, 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 the, in the brands that you're working with? Yeah, I mean, you know, in the context of, of the merger with uh, Tender Greens, still very fresh, still, you know, deep in the integration process. Um, as far as Tokaya and, and the years I've been there, uh, one of my first hires actually was a, a local restaurant marketing manager, which uh, I highly recommend for any marketing person or team that, you know, has the resources um, you know, it's not really a position you see at every brand. Uh, for me, it was really important for two primary reasons. One, um, you know, we invest a lot of resources in, in creating campaigns that we think are going to drive traffic. 
um, and creating a level of connectivity between the corporate marketing team and the local restaurants, I think is really important. Um, you know, too often with, with multi-unit brands, I think, you know, people sit in the office, they come up with this great campaign, they send out all the materials to the restaurants, the GMs receive them and they're like, okay, well, great. I don't have any color around this. Where do I display it? My restaurant layout is different than the restaurant layout near the home office. So having someone that can really drive home a lot of those initiatives and uh, apply the campaign at each individual restaurant really helps us ensure that we're getting the most out of any campaign that's coming from the corporate team. Um, and then separate of actually, you know, ensuring there's a level of connectivity between the corporate team and the local restaurants. Um, I think working closely with GMs and understanding uh, the different elements that really inform the success of each individual restaurant um, we feel that each GM should almost be treated like a restaurant owner of their specific location and that each location has its own unique look and feel uh, and its own unique levers that can be pulled and, and played with you know, to make sure we're maximizing that store's footprint. That's awesome, man. I, I, I've been doing this show for months now and I've been in the business for you know, a decade or whatever. Nobody has ever told me that they hired a local marketing manager. That is, I'm not surprised by you, but that is awesome. What, what are some of the duties that that person oversees or what's their day-to-day -day like? Well, you know, for one, for, for a scaling brand like us, we, you know, we have a lot of locations in the works. Um, you know, they help drive new location openings. And I think, again, you know, similar to when a corporate campaign is rolled out at the local level, too often with restaurant openings, you know, everyone from the team comes and there are balloons and, and giveaways and free food. And then, uh, you know, the sun sets and everyone packs up and heads out. And, and the, that restaurant team is kind of like, OK, what do we do now? It's a little harder to drive traffic without the free food component. So, um, you know, one big focus is, is supporting ramping restaurants and, and really continuing to drive home some of those new restaurant opening initiatives. Um, you know, another, again, is, is really collaborating with the GM. You know, this person can't be everywhere at once, meaning the local restaurant marketing manager. So we do rely on the GM to, to really be the eyes and ears, uh, drive catering sales at the local level, be plugged into the community and, and understand and look for uh, localized opportunities where we can ingrain ourselves. Um, so really just kind of, you know, regular ongoing communication with the GMs, figuring out how our corporate resources, their Makes sense. Oh, did I lose you or did we lose me? One second here. Uh, one second. Let me just swap internets real quick. God bless. The internet, the swapping of internets. I love that we live in a world where we can be in our house and swap internets. <laughs> then and it's funny because there's actually three in my house, so I can do the same thing. But hi, you're, yeah. you're back. Amen. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, yeah. So give me an example. Give me an example. Like you got a new store opening. What's what's one, two, maybe three marketing moves that you're making that to ensure the success, obviously, other than free food and balloons? So, I mean, first of all, you know, from from site selection, you know, and then actually into the design of the restaurant, um, you know, you don't want a one size fits all approach. You really want the look and feel and design of the restaurant to feel integrated into the community. Right. Um, I guess certain communities are a bit more receptive to, you know, quote unquote chains, but but most most consumers in, in communities want to feel like something was created just for them. Not that we took something that worked in uh, Toluca Lake and just rolled it out for Long Beach. 
So from a design standpoint, making it, it feel and look like something that is uh, built for the community, I think it starts there. Um, and then when, you know, when opening the restaurant, uh, especially from a like graphic design and, and campaign standpoint, um, we always like to integrate um, elements of, of the community. So for instance, we just opened Long Beach and a huge kind of focus of uh, what we were doing from a graphic design standpoint is we wanted everything to feel very surfer and beachy and, and you know, very Long Beach. We have Studio City rolling out um, in about a month and, and the look and feel of how we market that opening is gonna be much different. It's gonna be much more, um, you know, kind of studio film industry based and, and you know, feel very relevant to the, the, the people who work and live in that area. So um, that's, that's one thing. Another thing is, you know, engaging with localized influencers and, you know, I'll, I'll come out of the gate and say, I'm, I'm just not a huge uh, influencer fan. Uh, just in, not, I'm not, not a fan of influencers, the individuals. Influencer marketing, I think, has you know a ways to go. I think I think it can work in certain contexts, but in others, it's just a little too unclear about you know the return on investment. But when opening a new restaurant, I think honing in on, on micro influencers that have real influence on the community, as opposed to just looking for the the five to ten people uh, that have the biggest followings in the larger community or happen to live in the area, um, is something that we've seen really works. And then. Um, this might really surprise you, but we actually do direct mail. Um, no, nothing you're going to say surprises me. <laughs> well, you know, direct mail seems a little bit um, archaic or old school, but um, we do it in, in what I would say is kind of an intelligent way. So, you know, we work with a company um, and they're able to kind of obviously pull zip codes and, and filter those zip codes. And, and we can really segment, obviously, based on household income, uh, families. Uh, you know, buyers as opposed to renters, so they're they're not transient necessarily. Um, and then, you know, essentially serve them a series of offers that wean them off of a discount. And really try to get them to come in three times on a declining discount and then the fourth time at full price. Um, and then we're able to track that on the back end, see the traffic patterns of where guests are coming from, and then tap back into that market because we know uh, certain people in that area whose addresses we now have are very receptive to our messaging. And we can kind of go back and do smaller, less expensive uh, mail programs for gift cards uh, around the holidays and different things like that. That's fascinating. I had a at length conversation with a direct mail marketer last week at the Pizza Expo. And I was like, you know what? I need to reconsider this option. Like the yeah. things that they said to me, I was like, hmm, if you back out of the the, the channel, which the channel is we're talking about direct mail, Right. You have lots of channels, you have email, you have social, you have paid ads, there's billboards, right? There's lots of ways to market. If you look at them as a channel, every single channel is going to work in a certain way, right? The return is going to be a certain percent, right? If you know what the return is from that channel, right, then you know how to budget for that channel, right? And then you know how to use that channel. And so what you're saying is, look, we have figured out how to make this channel work. We know what the rate of return is. So we know how much to spend on it. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, we'll, we'll drill it down to a cost per acquisition for, for you know, that. And and I, I think that's every marketer's dream for any channel. And, you know, going back to my statement on influencer marketing, we can't do that. So, you know, we're kind of shooting in the dark. Um, you know, I, I don't want to be the face of direct mail, but um, I think, I think I don't want to be the face of anything, but I think uh, I don't think anything wants me to be the face of them. But, um, you know, I think what's really interesting is, you know, email is obviously much more modernized 
and um, people are getting tons and tons and tons of emails, right? And they're seeing tons of billboards and people have kind of given up on direct mail to an extent. Um, and what's really interesting is, you know, what other form of, of marketing right now could you get the consumer to touch and hold, right? Your, your brand, your ad. Amen. And look at it, even if they throw it in the trash, right? They have to look it's at impression, it. Impression, right? It's, it's, it's an impression. Correct. Um, so, you know, it's just a, it's a small little component of what we do around new restaurant openings. Let me, can I ask you a couple of questions about direct mail? I'm fascinated by this topic. How, how are you tracking, uh, you, you're talking about a cost per acquisition, but how do you track that? There's, there's two ways. So one is, um, you know, for each discount, um, we have a POS button. So we're, we're obviously, you know, tracking how many times that's redeemed. And then we're actually collecting um, the actual coupons that are brought in, like the GMs and, and the cashiers are collecting them in a bag, which we then send to the direct mail company. And after the fact, we do some post mailer analytics. So there are actually like codes on those coupons that say where the, uh, where the coupons are coming from, who received them. And so again, we can see pockets of areas where our guests are coming in from. Uh, and then it's not a one and done. So we tap back into that. So, you know, if we're paying per mailing, obviously for an opening, we're doing kind of a bigger blast. Uh, but then, you know, when the holidays come around and we want to promote a holiday gift card program, um, we're only sending mail to those people that have already responded and showed an interest uh, in our brand, which is incredibly efficient, right? Because it's a much smaller uh, base than the initial emailing. So um, that's how we kind of track it. That's amazing. Uh Feel free if you'd like to say who your partner is in doing that. I'm sure they would appreciate it. Uh, they're called Direct to You. Direct the number two. And That's awesome. And, I, and, I, and we won't go much deeper. I just a couple more questions. Like, are you doing like new mover mail? Are you doing like what's the program? Not, we've we've uh, I've explored new. Mo- I, I think I had. I've never done new mover mail. Um, I've explored it. I think it it makes a lot of sense at the time. I think it, you know we just thought it was too expensive. It's a little more expensive, um, you know, if my recollection serves me right, than just kind of a, you know, a traditional direct mail approach. That's awesome, man. I, I have a I have a client who has a, a couple of pizza places in Jersey, and he thinks it's the greatest marketing thing that, like, he literally does one every three weeks. Wow. He, he swears by it. Like, wow. Okay, well. You only do it for openings, but, um, you know, again, I just think a lot of brands have given up for given up on us, or given up on it. And that opens the door. And, and again, you know, we're obviously doing it very creatively. Um, you know, one thing to consider is from a design standpoint, right? Like you don't want someone to carry around this big poster, right? Give them something that they can put in their wallet, right? Um, they, so like, they, a, like a packet of guacamole? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so it ruins their pants. Um, you know, little, little cards and whatnot and, and things that they're going to see or interact with. It could be a magnet, right? How many times do you open your fridge a day? Um, but these big these big postcards might just get thrown in the car and never seen if you go to something that can fit in your wallet. Uh, it's a little big, but yeah. But like I, this has been on my desk for months. There you go. <laughs> the, all, one of the reasons they'll have are they've used my photo on the menu. But the point oh, is, <laughs> all right. Sorry, enough on direct mail. I'm glad that I'm super excited to hear that, that that not only have you figured out how to make it work, but like you have it dialed in. Yeah. What What else? What are you doing? Social ads? Are you doing email? Are you I mean, doing awards? You know, we do evergreen ads. Um, you know that are geo targeted around our restaurants. Uh, we do it across you know Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. Snapchat is a great way 
Interesting. Okay. To drive localized market. I mean, their geo-targeting can get so, so specific that, and, and it's it's pretty inexpensive relative to uh, other channels. Obviously with the uh, iOS update, um, you know, tracking the ROI on this stuff has gotten a little bit more dubious, I would say. Um, but we still do it because we think it works. And, and, you know, I think it just puts more pressure on the creative. The creative has to stand out. You can't just rely on, um, you know, blasting out something to as many people as you can. But, you know, I, I don't think there's like a, a, a silver bullet to local restaurant marketing. I think it, I think it requires a lot of creativity. I'll give you one example. Probably the most successful local restaurant marketing initiative we've ever done. Uh, was in San Diego in 2019 around Comic-Con. Um, so we had um, we had three locations in San Diego. Comic-Con obviously brings a ton of people um, <clears throat> from all kinds of different places that need to eat. Um, and so instead of just like serving ads or like, you know, whatever, we basically, we basically rebranded uh, elements of Tokaya to, to speak to the Comic-Con consumer. Um, you know, I, I don't think I can share it on here. Maybe I'll, I'll send it to you, but we redid our entire handheld menu in, in comic book form, you know, oh, wow. superheroes and, you know, Kung Pao and all those, you know, fun little speech bubbles. And do you have a share button below the speech thing here? Yes. If, if you want to share, go for it. I'll pull it up. I'm 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 a, I'm a comic book nerd since 15. Oh, you'll, 15, you'll so like for me, I would have been there. Like it was like, oh, I have to do this. You'll love this. Yeah, I've not, I've never attended a comic con, and I do not have any costumes in my house, but I do like superheroes. Okay, let me see. <laughs> <if I can. laughs> um. So yeah, I'll show you the, the the cover at least. Cool. And what, what kind of lift did you see from this? Do you remember the, the, what the numbers look like? Yeah, it was significant. I actually don't remember the exact numbers, but it was significant. Hold on. Let me go over here. Share. Share screen. Oh, Google Chrome is giving me the whole security. <laughs> All right. Well, if you get to it, you get to it. That's yeah, awesome. Because I think you'll enjoy it, but... Anyways, so in addition to kind of rebranding, you know, the handheld menus, um, you know, A-frames and kind of four-wall marketing elements were kind of rebranded. And then we brought in um, like some cosplay and comic influencers that we invited well ahead of time um, that we knew were going to be there. And we had them kind of, you know, do their own thing, which um, probably for Tokai specifically wasn't like extremely on brand but it was super fun and relevant and topical oh man hold on in the last avengers movie hulk definitely was eating tacos i i have to admit i haven't seen it. <laughs> there's definitely a scene where he's holding tacos so I, i'll give you the i'll okay. give you the thumbs up on it. Next year. <laughs> that is awesome i mean how what is the frequency that you're doing like you know creative campaign events like that I mean, to that level, not super frequent because we have a small team and it's a heavy lift. But for something like Comic-Con, which, you know, drives uh, a ton of dollars to that like entire economy, um, you know, we'll do it. I mean, we, we do smaller things like, for instance, we have restaurants in Arizona when the Suns were in the NBA finals. Um, you know, we would send emails on game day um, and allude to the big game. So we weren't using NBA or NBA finals and, you know 
you'd be amazed just changing the colors of the email to match the Phoenix Suns, you know, how to lift on, on open, well, not opens, but click throughs and orders driven from uh, that email. It was pretty amazing. So people really feel like you're speaking to them. I mean, I think, you know, it's not, it's not unique to me. I'm not saying anything new. I think there's a lot of chatter in marketing overall that um, the more you can have these conversations that feel like they're one-on-one meant specifically for the person through segmentation or, or anything else, um, the more successful you're going to be. So um, we've done that at kind of more of a macro level based on geography and locale, um, you know, and we hope to have the tools in the future to, to drill down even more and, and make it even more specific. That is awesome. Did you see the Wingstop announcement this week? Which one? Uh- not, not to get into too deep in another brand, but they, they basically announced that all, sorry, all the media channels reported it as Wingstop's trying to go 100% digital and they're trying to act like a tech brand and, you know, whatever. And they are. Everybody missed the point of the story. If you go read what actually happened is they brought in two marketing leaders and they split their marketing into two teams, macro and micro, literally what you just said, right? Hmm. And the goal is to get to one-to-one marketing. That's the real story. The Yes, they're trying to be more techie and they want to have more online orders, but no, no, no. What they're trying to do is meet the customer in their journey. Brilliant. That's the story. Yeah, it's brilliant. That's awesome. So how are you meeting the customer in the middle of their journey? Well, you know, we, we don't have the resources that Wingstop does, but... Uh, you know. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> yeah, we're able to do, um, you know, segmentation based on our rewards program. We can see... Um, locations that are guests most frequent. Um, you know, we have some marketing automation tools that we're able to leverage through our rewards platform, um, you know, that allow us to speak to consumers more so on, you know, their purchasing behavior than necessarily their preferences. And I, I think that's where, you know, a brand like Wingstop gets to kind of take it to another level is they're not talking about, you know, sending a campaign to a lapsed customer that hasn't visited the store for 90 days. They're talking about resonating with Jimmy, who's a sports fan and, you know, gets wings every Sunday and prefers garlic Parmesan over uh, barbecue. You know, that that is the future of marketing, Um, you know, and I I think just that investment that they're making, which I'm just learning about now, speaks to the importance of restaurant, uh, local restaurant marketing, which is on a macro level, how you can speak directly to that consumer. In the case of local restaurant marketing, it's a group of consumers, but um, the future is how you can speak to people as individuals and customize your messaging uh, based on their preferences. All right, let me let's stop talking about other brands. Uh, but I love that you got it right off the bat. No, <laughs> I like right. talking about the industry. It's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. All right, you have a store that's been open for 120 days, right? Been open for four, four months. I think that I'm bad at math, but mm-hmm. and they hit a dip, right? They're like, we just can't. We don't know what happened, and they call up you. They call up the local marketing manager. They're like, please help us. What's your playbook? Well, you you can't come up with a solution until you know what the problem is. So, you know, I, I would dig deep, um, you know, probably with, uh, you know, one of the benefits of this merger is um, we now have a really sophisticated, talented analyst, right? And so, you know, we're able to say to that person, you know, hey, we experienced a dip week over week. Uh, where is this coming from? Are we seeing a decline in third party? Are we seeing a decline in in-store traffic? How do we isolate the variables? It, it kind of becomes science. It's like when you're when you're in science class in you know middle school and high school, 
you say like, I'm, I'm not going to work in a lab. This is useless. <laughs> um, you know, then, then you, you get into the real world and you understand the value of kind of coming up with a hypothesis and then testing it and trying to isolate variables. Um, so, you know, broadly, I can't really answer that. I think, you know, you try to analyze um, what's changed, you know, where is that dip coming from? You know, is it coming from all channels? Is it coming from direct channel? Um, you know, is it certain categories on your menu that are experiencing a dip? Is it, you know, a quality issue? Is it, um, did a competitor move in? Uh, you really, really, <clears throat> I, I, I just, I can't recommend enough for, you know, any marketer probably in any industry, you know, rather than shooting blindly and just throwing money at problems, which I think is why a lot of people not in marketing have problems with marketing and, and, and want to pull from marketing budgets and things like that is because they're used to marketers going, sales dropped, let's do a bunch of ads, let's buy a bunch of TV, um, let's do some out of home, let's spend a bunch on digital instead of like really boiling down what the actual problem is and then solving for that problem. And in some cases, uh, you know, money won't solve it. You know, it's, it's improving the product um, or, you know, um, uh, working with your team or uh, building morale, whatever it is, you know? So um, I wish I had the, the magic answer, but I think my answer is, you know, figuring out as specifically as possible, what is the problem and then, you know, developing the solution. So do you have an amazing relationship with your wife? Cause I think you just said you're good at listening. Being, being, being good at, at something professionally, sometimes <laughs> translates, <laughs> but, you know, Separate from that, we do have an amazing relationship. <laughs> I was like, wow, because I, I instantly go to like, oh, I would try this and this and this. And you're like, no, no, stop. What's the problem? That was amazing. That was awesome. Great answer. Uh, as we're starting to wrap this up, is there any like tech that you're you know reliant on or find super helpful for local marketing? For local marketing specifically, um, you know, I would say a rewards program, um, really a CRM, but, you know, the, the, the volume of data is driven by rewards, right? That's why you give rewards is to accrue that data. You're not just wanting to give away free stuff and to drive frequency and things like that. Um, I would say our ability to market locally and segment would be, um, you know, hindered significantly if uh, we didn't have access to our CRM and rewards program. That, that really gives us very valuable data. And the one we use, um, you know, it's called Thanks. Uh, and uh, excuse me, the one Tokaya uses, I'm getting used to this. Um, um, Tender Greens uses Punch, which is also an incredible platform. I, you know, admittedly not as familiar with them yet, um, but learning. Uh, but, but what's unique about Thanks is there's really no external hardware. So there's no like scanning of a QR code. So anytime a guest swipes their credit card, just their credit card that's registered to their account, whether it's a dine-in visit um, or an online order, we're tracking that visit. Um, and that's really valuable to us when we when we dive into the numbers and, and try to look at frequency, recency, um, all different you know, marketing variables that factor into how we try to get people to come to our restaurants. That was awesome. I think you just said that you rely on one-to-one -one guest communication. Try to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to give what a good quick shout out to Eric Bam here who says hello and also that uh, he is wearing bedazzled pants. So awesome. <laughs> uh, Eric and I host a monthly webinar that's uh, your restaurant marketing questions answered. And we literally go live for 45 minutes and everybody who comes on just asks questions. So I'm grateful you joined us today. Love that. We're, we're here to learn so that when people ask us those questions, we're like, well, Matt, you know what Matt Smith does? So. <laughs> Love it. Awesome, Matt. 
Super awesome talking to you. Great catching up. Incredible answers. I'm so grateful for you taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you so much. Yeah, come out to LA, see me and check out our restaurants and uh, anything I can ever do for you, let me know. It's done. And I absolutely am not going to get a cop salad. By the way, I'll never forget the first time I met you because you brought um, uh, tater tots from Big Daddy's. From Big Daddy's to your office. It was a good time. I like food. (laughs) Awesome. Matt Matt from Tokaya. Thank you so much, buddy. It's great to see you. Have a great day.